0: Good morning. (laughs) Uh, we're, We're through a difficult part of Hebrews because we consider the Bible important. We teach through books of the Bible. Sometimes you run into some sections that are tough. And the, sometimes there's some cultural things in there because there's this long argument in Hebrews that, you know, makes a lot of sense. If you look at rabbinic thought, and you look at, you know, uh, Greek rhetoric, which most of you study all the time. But it, it's kind of deep. It, it's, it can be a little repetitive, but it's really, it is so important, isn't it? And and, uh, and ultimately, um, it, it's difficult but important. And we're going to pick up in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, and we're going to hit a shorter passage, a little little smaller pericope, if you will, today. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And really, the point of the last few weeks has been understanding in detail the access we now have to God. And again, the argument might get a little muddled at some points. Maybe my sermon got muddled at some points. I don't know. But you, it, it is such an important thing because we have access directly to God because of what Jesus did. Uh, it says now we can boldly enter. Now, I, I think the biblical image of this, this boldness, we talked a little of this earlier in the series, is the idea of like king on a throne. And back in the day, if there was a king on a throne, you probably wouldn't like boldly enter, right? Because you might boldly lose your head. Uh, and, and so there's a little bit of like awe, and uh, I don't know. And, and so when you're approaching God, God is big, God is great, God is you know awesome. He's awesomely powerful, and there has to be like a, a hint of uh, you know you have to be kind of a little nervous. But then through Jesus, we have access, so that we can we can boldly enter. And um, I, I think of it, you know, kind of like today. You know, you 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 can. You wouldn't just burst into the Oval Office to see Joe, right? No. Now, many times in my life, apparently I've forgotten most of them. I've met Joe, you know, and I, I you know, I've, I've had conversations with him. I and mean, we're Delaware. Like your politicians walk around at Fourth of July. It's like it's not like other states. I remember we've had some people here. I'm like, oh, that's your congressman. That's your... <laughs> they're like, what? They walk in the parades. It's it's a it's a smaller place than some. But you know, I can't just burst into the office and go hey we met once right because there's not that relationship but through jesus our great high priest it changes the nature of our relationship with god and so we can enter boldly into his presence and it says open the new and life-giving way now the temple curtain was symbolic It, it separated us we we couldn't go into the most holy place right now, it wasn't like the curtain like, could stop me. I mean, I've never been like, oh, boy, drapes, I can't get through that. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, Venetian blinds. Uh, but they're, they're symbolic of sort of we're, we're cut off from that presence. And, you know, Matthew 27, you know, to kind of jump ahead to the story because we're getting near Easter, right? Uh, Matthew 27 says this in verse 50. Then Jesus shouted again and released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart. And so it's symb- Jesus' death allows us access to God like never before. The King James actually says it this way. It says, you know, drop, drop a little there for Dana. It says, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. <laughs> did they rent Mark Twain? Is that a movie, rental? I don't know. It was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake and the rocks rent. Uh, I I read that because I want to read a passage. This is a great passage, a sermon. I I found this, you know, I like to listen to sermons. Sometimes I like to read sermons. Here's one from 1881, I believe. Uh, 1888, I'm sorry. It was a later version. So I know you all like the 1881 version. Um, You know you got a sermon that will preach if you're reading it hundreds of years later, right? Uh, Let me do the math. That's like 140-ish. Anyway, it's a long time ago. Not my words, but, but it's a longer passage, but I think it's great. For believers, the veil is not rolled up, but rent, which means torn in two. The veil was not unhooked and carefully folded up and put away so that it might be put in its place at some future time. Oh, no. But the divine hand took it and rent it from top to bottom. It can never be hung up again. That is impossible. Between those who are in Christ Jesus and the great God, there will never be another separation. Who will separate us from the love of God? Only one veil was made, and as that is rent, the one and only separator is destroyed. I delight to think of this. The devil himself can never divide me from God now. He may and will attempt to shut me out from God, but the worst he could do uh, would be to hang up a rent veil. How would that avail but to exhibit impotence? God has rent the veil, and the devil cannot mend it. I like that. you know. <laughs> there, can, there is access between a believer and his God, and there must be such free access forever since the veil is not rolled up and put on one side to be hung up again in days to come, but is rent and rendered useless. And so it's, it's destroyed. It, 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 it's, it's gone. Uh, I love that picture. The veil isn't taken down. You know, like, hey, let's roll it up and we'll put it in the closet. We'll bring it back. It's ripped. It's ruined. And if we had a torn curtains, most of us, it was America, we'd throw them out, right? <laughs> or maybe, but this is a curtain that can't be it, It's Jesus' death forever changes our relationship to God. And when we put our faith and our trust in him, there, there is no longer that, that separation. Uh, and it says this, it says, And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So you we go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. The thing ultimately keeping us from God's presence wasn't a curtain. You know, it was our sin. And, you know, in our culture, we don't like to talk about sin. Like, we want to, like, make choices and things, and we don't want right and wrong sometimes. And, but at his death, the price is paid, and we now have access to God. And, you know, in our sincere hearts, fully trusting him. See, it's, faith isn't a blind leap. Faith is a confident trust in God. Confident trust in what Christ has done. Confident that I can fully confess my sins to him and be forgiven. You know, um... If, if you read the Bible, um, in, in Genesis, there's this story about these two people named Adam and Eve. Um, and, and there's a lot of things we learn from the story. It, it, it's meant to teach us some things. And if you read this, if you ever read the story or if you heard the story, basically, Adam and Eve, you know, they sin. Bottom line. And does anybody know what they do Next. They're, they're, like, hiding from God, because God shows up, and they're hiding, and, and it's kind of a funny story, because you're like, how do you hide from God? <laughs> like, I mean, he is God, uh, but, but there's this sort of this shame, and their hiding, and then a lot of times, not to play that story all out and talk about all the details, but, you know, we do the same, because we sin. Sometimes we do things we know are wrong, and what do we do? We kind of hide. It's funny because sometimes I talk to people, they like, won't come to church because of their sin. I'm like, oh, it's not like, you know, God doesn't see your sin if it's at home. Like he only sees your sin at church. Like if that was the case, some of you would be saints because you're pretty good here. <laughs> I saw you driving on the way here. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's always hide from God of sin. But, you know, um, it, when we understand and accept his forgiveness, he cleans us up. You know, Jesus has already paid the price. It says our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Uh, you know, Christ's sacrifice makes us clean. Now, I, I was thinking of, I, I went to a church when when I became a believer, and it was like a little more, um, like a lot of old school hymns and stuff, and it was, it was fun because, too, I, I, I used to ride with the bus with this elderly woman, <laughs> and we would like, have just have a hoot in the back of the bus because no one's riding the bus on sunday in pittsburgh you know <laughs> a couple of us uh, anyway but uh, like it was like they sang hymns it's, i have these memories and it's like you know have you ever heard that whole old hymn you know are you washed in the blood a couple of you are singing it right now some of you are like younger you're like i have no idea what this is there was there used to be this book and it had hymns in it which are different than hers and they're just their songs there was music notes and those of us who can read music I could read music but I can't sing or play an instrument go figure uh, <laughs> I'm good at reading just not doing uh, anyway so you know it says you know old hymns are you washed are you washed in the blood in the soul cleansing blood of the lamb Are your garments spotless are they white as snow are you washed in the blood anyone know that song like it's, it's good theology it's a little strange like if you're coming to it from nowhere you're like washed in blood like this is like a bad hunting trip you know this is a bad trip to the er but the truth is like it's jesus's blood that makes us clean which is ironic because i in my image i see you know the, the redness of blood but then jesus washes us clean and white as snow with it it's through his sacrifice that, that we're made holy we're made right Uh, just it's this reality of being we're now clean because of jesus now i i i think i I think he used it last week we talked about you know anyone have white carpet you you a lot of white carpet in your houses calvin i'm sure it's pretty i would never have it with children right because why because you have children some of you know like everything is like sticky like, I remember one time, I remember with a friend of mine, we were getting ready for something, and he's like, you got something on you, and he's like trying to rub it off me and everything. I'm like, he's like, you have glitter on you. I'm like, oh, it's okay, I just have a, have a little girl. And then he's just like, he kept trying to, I'm like, dude, I have a little girl. There's just glitter on everything. <laughs> like, and you're not gonna get it off. It bothered him. He'd only had boys. He didn't understand. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, kids make a mess. And, and, and honestly, you know, like white carpet, most of the time white carpet because it gets in. But really, like, heaven is like white carpet. Now, technically, it's streets of gold. But, but the truth is we all we have sin and junk on us. And, and we have to get cleaned before we walk on that carpet. Because if you walk in that carpet without being cleaned, what happens? There's dirt. There's little footprints. And you're like, who did that? Not me, really, because there's footprints leading to the thing. Uh, you know, and, and I told you about the Appalachian Trail. And I've, I've told this story before. It's like we went hiking, and, and you know, we didn't realize our stink. We'd gone nose blind. Like, we were thought we were like, oh, a little gamey, but I'm good enough for Taco Bell. My wife wouldn't let me get out of the car between where we were and where we went. You know, it was like, no, you're just going to stay here because you stink. Um, you got to marry someone who can tell you you stink sometimes. I'm just saying. (laughs) But, you know, we needed atonement. We needed a bath. We needed to be cleaned. And Jesus provides that on the cross for us. And so because of that, because of all that, and because of, you know, weeks one through however many to get us here. <laughs> let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good service. Let us hold tightly without wavering. And, and and you know back and forth it's interesting because you know some of the same themes come up in, in chapter four. But you know I, I told you the story about strongman because you guys yeah, you know I have a lifelong obsession with picking things up and putting things down. I like to pick things up and put things down. Uh, <laughs> I met someone new for lunch and it was like we're talking and I I knew he just wanted to ask me do you work out? But you know you're never sure if he can. And it's like. It <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, it was awkward and funny, but, um, I was like, yeah, I, I used to lift, um, but, you know, when, when I, when I lifted, you know, when I did strongman, especially, I always wanted to do strongman, uh, and it's, it's basically, you're picking up super ridiculously heavy stuff, you know, and I remember I had two 300-pound tanks in the yard, they were, like, old gas cylinders, and there's 300 pounds apiece, and so you pick them up, you know what happens the first time you pick them up? It, like your body just rips apart. You're like, oh my gosh, that hurts. But uh, but if you keep picking them up, you know what almost always gives out on strongman. Yep, your strength, your hand strength. It's a lot of guys. They train, they do all this stuff, but they don't train enough grip strength. I mean, I ha- my grip training would take a long time with, with strongman because there are all these different things too. Because you you have to grip. You have to hold firmly. And, and a lot of times, we you know we need to hold firmly to these truths because life gets hard. It can be tough and and, you know the the readers of this original letter you know they're coming into persecution and stuff you know they're trying to follow jesus and then it gets hard and and, you know he's like hey in light of all that christ has done for you you gotta grip tight you gotta hold on to these things and and that's kind of it's their warning is like our warning too because life can be hard there there are times when faith is hard there are times when, when having belief and trust in jesus is not popular and so we have to grip, we have to hold on to that, in um, light of all He's done for us, no matter what hits us. Yeah, uh, it says like without wavering, and I, the NIV actually, because uh, we're reading the New Living Translation, the NIV says unswervingly. Um, and I, this is a terrible analogy, but it's the analogy I have, because uh, you always had this like in movies, like two cars, and they're like. Playing chicken. You guys know what the game is. Like, it was popular in the 80s. I don't know. Uh, You know, hopefully you don't do it today, especially on the icy roads or anything. I wouldn't recommend it in Wyoming. You know, they'll pull you over. But, you know, you kind of, like, go really fast at the other person to see who's going to, like, swerve at last minute. And and so you got to be confident in your path. You don't want to swerve, you know. And and so unswervingly, you know, and, and why are we not wavering in our hope? Because... Not because, like, we're real, just really good at this. Not because we're confident in ourselves. But because, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. You know, I've seen God faithful in so many things. I see God faithful in what he did in Jesus. And so, our hope is not based on, you know, my trust in me. Because, you know, I, I will fail. Man, yesterday, they were out. Did you guys see it? I went to Lowe's. They were there. I went to tractor supply and they were there you know who was there you know your your brother's girlfriend was there you know what they were there the girl scout cookies oh. <laughs> it's hard to be unwavering <laughs> i do not trust myself i had to use extra different entrances and things i because because i don't i, I I really like cookies. I like, uh, what are they, the Tagalongs? Oh, y'all can keep their thin mints. The adding of chocolate and mint together is an abomination before the Lord. <laughs> Sorry, I just offended half the congregation. No, it's, uh, you do you, you do you. <laughs> but, but, oh my gosh. And the problem, with, the problem with Girl Scout cookies is there's only one serving in every box. <laughs> so I can't trust me, right? Because there are times I give in to temptations. There are times I'm not strong. You know, and, and it can't be based in my trust in you. Because you like thin mints. <laughs> it's not based on circumstances. When, you know, because you know, there are times when things aren't going well in life. And it, you, you can't base your, your faith in that. It's ultimately, it's based on my trust in God. Can I trust him? And he proves faithful through some hard things at times. Uh, it, it says, verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I've said this before. I probably preached this passage before in the context of other, because sometimes we do kind of more topical series. Preaching this verse is kind of weird. Because you're talking about meeting together to people who are meeting together right now. So maybe I'm only talking to the online folks. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) You're doing the best you can. I get it. We're in the middle of a pandemic. But it's kind of like talking to teachers about the value of education. You know, hopefully if you're teaching, you value education. Sometimes we get a little jaded in it. I don't know. But, you know, or like talking to a personal trainer about the value of health. I mean, usually you go to a healthy-looking person who, like, oh, they must be a personal trainer. I got a job doing personal training because I was just, I, I lifted a little. <laughs> They're like, oh, you should probably write workout programs. I'm like, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you're know, talking to an Apple fanboy about an, like an iPhone product, right? Because, okay, who's, who's iPhone? Who's Android? See, and our church can get together. We, you know, it's... It, People who are very different, we, we still love. Uh, but, you know, you, you can't talk about an Apple fanboy how awesome an iPhone is. Like, you don't have to convince them, right? Because they're just, they're sold. Or, you know, if you're an anti-Apple people, <laughs> you know, how much better Android is? They're just sold. And so we're talking about the, the, the necessity <laughs> of, of meeting together, of going, going to church, if you will, uh, which I don't like to call it that because... Uh, you know, but uh, you know, it says, but it says, "Let us not neglect our meeting together. Let's encourage one another." It's not now. Here's the thing. I, li- I-, I like to listen to sermons. I was splitting some wood this week, and I, I listened to sermons and things while I'm doing that. Sometimes '80s metal, sometimes sermons. They're almost the same, right? But uh, <laughs> and, and sometimes freedom rock, man. Turn it up. Anyone remember that commercial? Uh, yeah. yeah two of us okay (laughs) but anyway uh you know uh, you know and um it's funny because some 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 pastors will use this to guilt trip you into going to every meeting at church that they have every day of the week right you ever you ever go to church we just kind of have this pandemic we used to a bible study but you know like i've been in churches where you have morning service you have sunday school you have night church you have wednesday night you have a prayer meeting, and it's like, they'll use this to go, don't neglect meeting together, don't skip, I'm I'm checking your attendance, there's little stars. Uh, (laughs) I grew up up Methodist, not bagging on the Methodist, but like, um, yeah, I had this little pin for Sunday school, and it had little gold bars underneath, like, perfect attendance perfect attendance perfect gave me something to work for because i'm legalistic anyway one uh, <laughs> well, of my parents made me go but you know I, I, like to get credit because you were only allowed to miss i don't know i don't know but like i think you were allowed like one maybe or no, I maybe mean, you weren't any i don't know i can't remember i was little but like we would like when we visited another church on vacation we'd have to bring the bulletin in to get credit because i could get my little gold bar I wish they were like big gold bars now. I trade them in, but I don't know. But, but you know, it was, uh, you know, it, it could get sort of like, it's not like, like we're, we're constantly like checking your attendance or anything. It, it's not about frenetic Christian activity of being involved in this. And, you know, I, I was listening to the guy who was like reading all these statistics and it's like, how many people go to this? And I, you know, I think that misses it. Now, I don't think he meant it in a bad way, but uh, it's not a, 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 a guilt trip for people to like come to more stuff. Um, but it is about how we're connected and growing and serving one another. Uh, and so, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, if, you heard the, if you've ever read it, you know, we all have gifts and we're part of a body. And, and Paul uses the analogy, it's kind of like, you know, because we, you know, there's different parts of your body. You, you may or may not have realized this by now, probably have. You know, but your hands are important. They help you hold on to things, especially heavy things. You know, your legs are important. Your your toes are important. Like it's hard to stand. Uh, you know, if if you anyone like lose a big toe, I've been told it's like you have to relearn to walk because it's like you just you don't walk in the same way. And I've got enough tendons that have snapped. I can tell you where they are and why they're important. I've got a knee that's like now a ball joint instead of a hinge. <laughs> uh, I, I got some issues, and, and the little things that you may not miss when you're missing them when your knees like instead of you'll, you'll miss things and, and everything is important and, and so if paul says this he says and if the ear says i'm not part of the body because i'm not an eye would that make any less part of the body if the whole party if the whole body were an eye how would you hear or if your whole body were an ear how would you smell anything and, and so every piece is important in a body and every person in the body is important We have gifts, we have functions. It's, You know, um, chop off a ear and it'll hurt. Ask Malchus about that time with Peter in the garden. (laughs) And here's the thing, if if we don't gather, if you're not here, we miss your gifts. Now, the funny thing about that is, like, certain gifts are more visible on a Sunday morning, right? Like, we have people who have musical gifts. We have people who don't. You know, I, I get the privilege of, of getting up and, 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 like, teaching, which I, I love. And, and it, I, I put a lot of time into studying. I love doing it. It's part of what we do. And so you can kind of walk away going, what, what, what was I going to do? But we have people doing all kinds of things. We have people who are helping me fix, fix a furnace. We have people who go around and unlock doors. We have people who are teaching kids' church right now. We have people who are running a nursery right now. And, and those are just some of the jobs. But it's also things like, if you have the gift of encouragement... It's your opportunity to encourage and so it doesn't have to be an official role but but if you're not here to encourage people if you're not here to connect then that doesn't happen and so what are your spiritual gifts are whatever the things that God's wires you to do if you're not here we miss them we miss you and the church is incomplete and ultimately it encourages us all in the faith it encourages us to stay strong You know, church is a place to support one another. Now, I've I've heard this analogy from different people. I actually went on the park's website to verify it because sometimes you hear things in sermon. It sounds great, and then you're like, "Oh, that's not actually factually true." Because it's like someone told a story who. Who heard a story? Who heard a story? Who heard a story? Who heard a story? And then it's like, well, that's technically. And I'm a science guy, so I'm like, I'm like trying to verify everything. Anyway, so I was reading all about redwoods this week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you, you know the big redwoods, like they cut holes in them, you could drive through them. I, I never went there when I lived in California. I don't know why I didn't go there. Probably because I had no money, because uh, we were poor students. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just a poor pastor, but, uh, but you know, the, you know, you could drive through the tree, right, that's pretty crazy when you see the pictures, but here's the thing, they have relatively shallow root systems, what? Now, I know a lot about root systems, if you went to our house after the tornado, we saw root systems firsthand, uh, because the tornado came through, and you could see all kinds of root systems, there's a picture, there's a great picture of Joy, and she's like standing next to that root ball by the garage, so, I and mean, it's like, Here's joy, here's the root ball. <laughs> um, it was a huge tree. It was like more than six feet in diameter and it, man, I think went. Anyway, uh, but redwoods have shallow roots but they, they grow next to each other and they're intertwined and connected. And, and, and you know, it says that these trees have shallow root systems that extend over a uh, over hundred feet from the base intertwining with the roots of other redwoods. So they don't just, they don't go deep, they spread out, they connect. It's interconnectedness that keeps them from, like, toppling over. And it often it's our interconnectedness that keeps us faithful, that keeps us strong, and that's why we need each other. Um, you know, a church is a place to motivate one another. You know, I, you know there's great coach, you know, te- I, I spent a lot of years coaching, you know, you teach, you direct, and you, you motivate because some kids have potential in them, and they can't see it. And, and so it's not just about teaching them the moves, but it, it, it's getting them inspired to, to, to be what they can be. And, and that's, what, you know, we, we motivate one another when we're together. When someone has a gift of encouragement, it, like, it's encouraging. That's a joke. <laughs> but, 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 you know, we can inspire one another. And in great teams, in my experience, the, the teams that often perform better are the ones that are bonded to one another, right? Like, when you're playing for a team, and you got skill, you got motivation, and you're bonded, man, it's just different. It's just, different. It, it, it's, just it, it's fun. You, you go through tough stuff together, but you're, you're there. And, you know, here's the thing. Potluck. Now, it's next week. I know some of y'all going to miss it. Sorry. We had to reschedule it because of the actual snowstorm. Uh, we didn't do it this week because there, I think there's a, a concert today that has a football game at it, uh, so depending... Uh, <laughs> depending on your thing. Uh, We didn't want to compete with that. Um, But, you know, a potluck isn't about food. Now, don't get me wrong. You better bring a dish. No. (laughs) No, if you can't bring a dish, that's okay. Okay. I love potlucks because I can try some food that I've never had. I try some things. I'm like, I I didn't know I liked that. I don't even know what that is. You know, can I get the recipe for that? I want to make that later. Uh, You know, I I eat food and I kind of eat healthy most of the time. But when we're together, I can, you know, just eat whatever. I don't want to offend you. I got to eat that really fatty thing that you brought. Right? Can I get an amen? Okay. (laughs) But, you know, potluck is just about food. It's about connecting. You know, and building relationships, because we're ultimately we're here to spur one another on in the faith, uh, help one another cross the finish line in this thing. Galatians 5.13 says this, for, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. You know, we have freedom in Christ, but we're made to serve one another with that freedom. And a building community can be hard. It really, it really can. Because we're all a bunch of people who are a little different, you know? And some of you are more different than others. Uh, John 13 says this Jesus says, I, I, I've read this to you a bunch of times. You should know this one. A new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So it, it's not because, you know, you don't know you're my disciples because you have a Sunday school pen with a little. Things going off it, because I bet mine's longer than most of yours. A couple of you might have had a longer one. Well, I'll, I'll find mine. It's in a box somewhere. We'll we'll have we'll have False Pride Sunday, and we'll all wear things <laughs> we um, falsely proud of. Okay. Uh, you got me. Yours probably wraps around the block. <laughs> you were a good kid. I just kind of tapered off at some point. Uh, <laughs> and then Jesus, but God. Okay. Uh, You know, it's not always natural to love one another, but 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 it's it's what we should do. And now I kind of alluded a little this in my mind. Galatians three twenty eight. I love this Galatians. Man, that's a powerful book been here since we preached that that's good stuff in there you should read it there is no longer jew or greek male uh there, there's either oh, sorry i'm reading a different translation in my head uh there is no longer jew or gentile slave or free male or female for all are one in christ jesus and now that you belong to christ you are the true children of Abraham. you are his heirs and god's promise to abraham belongs to you there's no longer jew or gentile slave or free male or female because you are all one in christ jesus now pious jew of the day would thank god daily that he was not made a gentile a slave or a female that shows you how big the divides were right these like we read this and we're like yeah because we didn't understand the divisions we got other things we've divided in our country about so you just think about that one (laughs) political stuff racial stuff we got it Uh, but all those things You know, they're representative of the deepest divides in an ancient society. And the thing which separated us all is gone. Christ removes the dividing wall. It's a radically different thing. And the church, uh, someone, I heard this once or I said this once, I don't know, I found it in my old notes. Church is a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. You ever like sit here, look around for a second, everybody look around. Do you see anybody that you wouldn't hang out with unless you were at church? If you're saying, if you say no, you're lying. <laughs> and that's a sin and you need to repent. No, <laughs> because naturally, you know, we might not get along. We might not hang out. We pro- without Jesus, we're definitely not coming together 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning to sit here. Right. But th- there's all these things that naturally divide us. But in Christ, all those barriers are taken away. And, and you know, it's, uh, church is made up of natural enemies, not natural friends. I mean, you should bring your natural friends, too. But, but the point is, you know, you can get along with people. You, iPhone users can love Android users. In Jesus. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can't even remember who's playing in the Super Bowl today. But those fans can love those fans. Steelers fans can love Eagles fans. Can I get an amen? Um... <laughs> I got a story. I'm not going to get off. I'll, I'll tell you about a story later. <laughs> you know, and it's often it's often said, "Don't go to church; be the church." You ever heard that? Yeah, I've said that. Uh, but here's the thing: we can't be the church if we're not gathered together too. Uh, and, and that's why we call it, we actually I sometimes word things in awkward ways because I always like to call it the gathering time. The because the I don't like to call it church. You know, and, um, you know, there's uh you know, there's the, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple, open up, see all the people, it's all lies, uh, because, you know, it's cute to teach your kid, and people are like, oh no, I taught that to my kid, but it's like, uh, you know, here's the thing, <laughs> it's, it's not about the steeple, it's about the people, right, church is is the people. And often people are like, hey, where's your church? And I'm like, well, I think most of them at work right now, but I think some work evenings. And the people are like, no, no, I mean, I know what you mean. <laughs> and sometimes I'll mess up too and I'll say, I'll call this church. This is a church building, right? The building's cool. We're in the middle of buying it. Oh, my gosh, there's a lot of paperwork to buying a church. Oh, my. Every time I think it's done, it it rears its ugly head. Uh, We're we're getting close. We're getting close. And then we'll we'll, we'll own an HVAC system that needs a lot of work. If you see us running around on Sunday morning, it's usually to fix something that's broken. So I'd invite you if you have any physical gifts to, to, to help us. Uh, if not, um, well, okay, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but community takes time. Uh, there's there's a popular sitcom. I was going to name it, and I didn't feel like it. Uh, but you know, two people are meeting, and uh, they're like they're talking about you know. Uh, the church, going, subject of going to church once a year, and, and they say, I don't object to the concept of a deity, but I'm baffled by the notion of one that takes attendance. And it, it's kind of cheeky, but, but the point, I think people miss it. Again, you know, the little bars, You know, it wasn't a bad, it didn't start out as a bad thing. It was like encouraging people to to come together for a good purpose. Then it becomes all about pride. Do I have, you know, I'll bring it in sometime. You can Google it. I think someone Googled it last time I talked about it. But, uh, you know, it kind of, you know, it's, it's, the point of church is not like God's taken attendance. Church is for us. Church is for us to help him fulfill uh, his purpose in us. Church is for us to encourage one another. Church is for us to express our gifts and and to help us, because it helps us when the times are hard. Um, There's a a story I read years ago. It it struck me, and it was a guy didn't go to church for a while, and um, so the pastor goes by and visits his door. That was like pre-COVID when people went, just showed up at people's houses. Uh, you know, and the guy's like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to make the pastor say something. And the pastor's like, I'm not going to say anything. I'll wait for this guy to say something. So they sit down. They just sit down. Don't say anything. He answers the door, lets him in. And they just sit there by the fire. Because you picture it's like winter. It was a fire going. And they're just sitting there for a while. And silence. And the pastor finally reaches over with a shovel. Wax, no. He <laughs> Reaches over, gets a coal out of the fire and sets it, you know, kind of on the, the bricks outside of the fire. And they sit there and sit there. and They kind of like, if, if you know much about fires, the coals eventually, they go from like red hot to they just kind of darken and just a piece of charcoal. It goes dead. pastor takes the shovel, puts it back in the fire on the other coals and Lights back up. He gets up, walks to the door, and the guy says, I understand. I'll be there next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> because we need each other to keep burning. And, and, and it's, so church attendance isn't about a guilt trip. It isn't about a deity who keeps attendance. It isn't about little Sunday school bars. But, but the reason we need to gather is we need the strength of one another. You know, I've often likened it to like, working out. Um, I didn't make it on the bike this week. I, my schedule was crazy. And guess what? Because no one met me and made me do it, I didn't bike. Right? Oh, that's horrible. But, you know, if I'm meeting a group of guys to, to, to bike, or girls, because <laughs> uh, some of them out-bike me, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's easier to keep going. Right? You, there, and there's a camaraderie to that. And church is supposed to be the same thing. It's something to encourage to help us burn. You know, ultimately in Christ we have a God who gets you. We have a God who can help you. We have a God who gives us hope. Uh, And ultimately we can come and find rest in him because we have that full access to God.